So um, continuing on our theme of looking at the these various aspects of our human experience. The Buddha talked about in different ways, he talked about the kind of different um, things that can be seen in our human experience, different aspects of our human experience in different ways. He talked about this. And one of those ways is that we've, we've been going through over the last weeks is the five aggregates um, dividing the Buddha. And actually my understanding is that the teaching of the aggregates was probably around at the time of the Buddha. Um, so it's not a teaching about the, 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 this way of dividing up human experience into form or bodily sensation, feeling, um, the um, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral aspect of experience, perception, the recognizing aspect of experience, mental formations, the um, kind of intentional qualities of mind. This would include include not only um, emotions, but also mind states such as um, boredom or mindfulness or concentration or patience, things that we might not necessarily think of as emotions, uh, but also includes um, uh, thoughts. Uh, so mental formations uh, is a pretty big aspect of experience. And then the fifth uh, aggregate or the fifth, fifth kind of group or heap of things that happen in our experience is um, consciousness, the simple knowing aspect of experience, just the kind of quality or the, the recognition of sensation has contacted a sense base. So there's understood to be six kinds of consciousness, one with each sense base, the five physical sense base. So there's seeing consciousness, hearing consciousness, smelling consciousness, taste consciousness, touch consciousness. And then there's consciousness of what happens in our mind as well. So that in Buddhist understanding is the sixth sense. So these five areas of experience, the Buddha kind of uh, looked at this and um, the, the maybe the kind of way he added to this teaching was to really begin to explore um, the nature of this experience and to understand that everything that we experience, everything that happens to us, all of our conditioned experience is found within these five uh, areas. And any particular experience is kind of a blending of all five in some fashion. So um, the um, um, whatever you had to drink this morning, you know, whether coffee or tea or orange juice or even water actually has has these these qualities. But well, there's there's um, there's the um, the taste, of course. So coffee, bitter, um, uh, maybe sweet if you've added some sugar and smooth, you know, kind of that creamy texture if you've if you've added cream or milk. So there's various taste sensations that happen there. And then also touch sensations. There's the heat or coolness on the tongue. That's the um, the, the physical, um, the, some of the physical aspect of experience. So the all of those pieces are are the the form both the, the physical, the taste, the smell, all of that is form. 
And then there's whether you like whether whether you experience it as pleasant or unpleasant. We will experience whatever contact happens as pleasant or unpleasant. That's going to be happening. And then there's a recognition of it. We're perceiving it. We're recognizing it, um, recognizing it as coffee or as orange juice. And this this probably won't be so obvious uh, unless, like, for instance, we accidentally picked up the wrong glass and we're getting orange juice when we expected coffee. Then we'll recognize not what we were expecting. You know, we'll, push, we'll, we'll perceive that it's not what we were expecting. But that, that recognition aspect, that is happening also in this, in this moment of tasting whatever you're drinking. So we have form, feeling, the recognition, the perception. And then there's usually some kinds of um, ideas or emotions or moods connected with that. Even the simplicity of liking or not liking. I like this, I don't like it. An idea perhaps that, oh, needs a little more cream, you know, that that's a, that's a mental formation. So that's coming in, in our experience. And then the, the, the simple consciousness, the, the kind of the, 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 the knowing that there is something hitting the tongue, that there is a pleasant or unpleasant experience happening. So all of these five experiences come together in a moment. So in, in a moment of experience, all five of these are weaving together. And so we can't necessarily separate out everything and only be experiencing one or the other of these experiences, but we can get to know the various threads that are weaving together to create our experience. So last time we talked in a little more depth about um, feeling form the the bodily aspect of experience and in particular looking at um the um the insubstantial nature of that experience this is the the kind of the where we are in this exploration right now starting to look at underneath all of the um experiences that we have or not underneath but just the nature of all the experiences that we have are inherently just coming and going. They're very transient. All experience is, is quite transient. And this is a teaching that's connected, that the Buddha really connected with these aggregates. We tend to take an experience, experience as it comes together, all of these aggregates coming together, we tend to take it, it as substantial in some way. We tend to attribute a thingness to it. Now, not necessarily with drinking coffee. I mean, we know that it's it's kind of um, a changing thing. Sometimes it's in our mouth, sometimes it's not. But there is a way that uh, our minds will attribute something, some kind of stability or something that is reliable or um, um, able to be um, hung on to. We'll, we'll attribute that to our experience. And right there, that's the point where the Buddha said, this is where we suffer. This is why, this is why we suffer. Because we cling or hold or believe that there is something substantial to hold on to. And because we believe there's something substantial to hold on to, 
we tend to hold on to it. And when we're trying to hold on to something that is not substantial, it's like it's changing out from underneath us. And there'll be some uh, distress that happens. There's been this idea that it's been substantial. We've been able to hold on to it. And when we try to hold on to it, it just, it slips away. And often we attribute, either we attribute that we've done something wrong. You know, somehow I didn't manage to hold on to that. Or we somehow think that the world is conspiring against us to take something away from us. And we, we have different relationships to this nature of experience to be insubstantial. So um, in the last um, while, we've been exploring the aggregates uh, and recently starting to explore them in this way of being insubstantial. Um, the Buddha pointed to the recognition of the insubstantial nature of our experience as being a, a kind of a way that will undermine or begin to reveal the mistaken belief in the reliability of experience. And so it starts, it starts to help the mind to be able to reorient to experience more as it actually is, rather than as we wish it were. And that difference between what's actually happening and what we wish were happening uh, and our, um, you know, our relationship to that difference is a lot of where we suffer. And so the, the pointing to being aware of experience and in this uh, aspect of looking at the aggregates we're, aggregates, we're aware of these different processes that happen, uh, that come together to create a moment of experience. And so the Buddha, in looking at this insubstantial nature, kind of looked at each one and um, he had an analogy for each of the aggregates to point to its insubstantial nature. I'll get to the, that in just a moment. We kind of reviewed them briefly last week, all of them, and then went into the, um, the analogy uh, connected with form, physical sensation last time. Today, I'd like to explore a little more depth the um, the simile connected with feeling and go into a little bit, remind us all a little bit of the aggregate of feeling, what it is, how it works, what we can be aware of. Um, so feeling, feeling tone, this aggregate of experience, the, the thread of a moment of experience, that is whether the experience is pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. So feeling is the Vedna in the Pali, feeling is often how it's translated. Um, but feeling in English often makes us think potentially of emotion. And so um, often in the English, we add um, feeling tone. We translate Vedna as feeling tone, which tends to take a little bit, you know, kind of the underlying feeling as, as the as the underlying aspect of feeling that's happening with an experience. And so the teaching around feeling, feeling tone of Vedana, is that it happens with every single moment of experience. Every single moment of experience, there is this quality of pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral as an aspect of these threads weaving together. We don't always notice it. Sometimes we don't notice it because it's kind of in the more neutral realm. 
You know, it's not, it's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And often we don't tend to notice what's neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And so we might not notice that quality of feeling tone if it's neutral or if it's that neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Um, the pleasant, the unpleasant, we do tend to recognize at some level, but maybe not consciously. We're probably more consciously recognizing either that we like something or don't like something. We're, 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 we're probably, we may be more consciously recognizing, oh, that's good or that's bad. We put a judgment value on pleasant as good and a judgment value on unpleasant as bad. So we, um, we tend to notice there's, there's a way in which we do recognize the pleasant, unpleasant aspect of experience, but usually it's, it's recognized through the mental formation aspect of experience, the volitional formation aspect of experience. We'll notice some relationship to the feeling. We like it, we don't like it. We want it, we don't want it. It's good, it's bad. We, we're angry or frustrated or um, anticipating something. So there's, there's, there's some kind of an emotional tone often that gets connected with this simple aspect of feeling. And this actually, this connection between feeling tone and our emotional kind of follow on from feeling tone, that is, um, the, the Buddha pointed over and over to that being kind of a crucial place where the mind moves from just being kind of knowing that experience is happening into reacting to experience. And so that, that shift between, or the kind of the follow on from something unpleasant happening to not liking it, to want to get rid of it, to taking action to push it away, that aversive or angry or frustrated or impatient response that can happen when something unpleasant is happening. The Buddha pointed to that being something that is conditioned in our experience, conditioned in our minds, and is not necessary. It is, it is an optional or, um, it's an optional response to experience, not optional in the, in the sense that I can just say, oh, stop being frustrated or stop being angry, but it is not inherent in unpleasant feeling that we have a response of anger or frustration or even not liking, which is, which can be surprising. We, we might think that inherent with pleasant experience is that we like it, that we want it might think that it's inherent with unpleasant experience that we don't like it. But that itself, even that simple shift from pleasant to liking or unpleasant to not liking, that subtle difference in the mind, even that is, um, it doesn't have to happen. We can know pleasant experience and simply know that it's happening. This is a, a key place the Buddha described the difference between someone who is caught or what he called an ordinary person and someone who is free. He said, when an ordinary person experiences pleasant experience, they like it, they want more of it. When an ordinary person experiences unpleasant experience, they don't like it, they wanna get rid of it. 
when an, a person who is free, um, someone who has released greed, aversion, and delusion experiences a pleasant experience, the Buddha says they experience a pleasant experience. When a person uh, experiencing an unpleasant experience experiences an unpleasant experience, that's what they experience. They experience an unpleasant experience. It doesn't tumble into reactivity. Now, you might think there that, you know, like, um, well, what mind state would arise based on that? You know, it's like, if it's not liking or not liking, what might it be? Well, it might be equanimity, which is a mind state. It might be um, awareness or just simple no, the simple mindfulness that this is what's happening, that's a mind state. And so the there's still going to be a, a volitional, there's going to be a formation, a volitional formation connected with that experience, a, 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 a mental activity connected with the um, experience of pleasant or unpleasant, but it won't be based in greed, aversion, or delusion. So the, the Buddha pointed over and over again to the importance of noticing feeling tone, of recognizing it, because it is this springboard where we tend to leap into reactivity. And when we can be aware of it, when we can notice it and recognize it, there is the possibility that we uh, can just see it for what it is and begin to understand how there's a difference between pleasant and liking unpleasant and not liking how the uh, how that is a follow on from the pleasant or unpleasant as opposed to being inherent in it. Even the feeling tone, and this is another interesting aspect that begins to point a little bit more to the teaching of the emptiness of feeling tone, uh, the insubstantial nature of feeling tone, is that even the feeling tone itself, I, I, I just talked about how the feeling tone will tend to create or produce or condition, will, based on our history often, will tend to condition responses to the feeling tone. Um, based on our history, based on our human bodies, you know, just the simple movement from pleasant to liking or unpleasant to not liking, that tends to be based in our human bodies, the conditions there, but then our specific reaction to it, you know, anger or aversion or fear, that tends to be based more in our own personal kind of conditioning, how we respond to a particular um, feeling tone. So, um, but the feeling tone itself, in a particular situation, uh, the feeling tone that's arising in a, in a particular situation, Whatever you're drinking this morning, but I, presumably it was something pleasant, maybe not, but it <laughs> uh, depends, you know, if you're drinking some kind of a um, vitamin drink or something, maybe that wasn't pleasant, but, but um, you know, what, whatever you were drinking this morning had some kind of a feeling tone to it. And we might think that that feeling tone, that pleasantness or unpleasant of that drink is inherent in that drink, kind of connected to the drink itself. But the um, understanding in Buddhist psychology, and actually I, I understand also in current neuroscience, 
that the experience that the experience of pleasant unpleasant or neither pleasant nor unpleasant is created by the mind so it is not inherent in the experience it's not inherent in the thing that's happening you know we 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 um a simple example you know the the, the temperature of 80 degrees you know, when we walk out into an 80 degree temperature, uh, for some of us, that might be pleasant. For some of us, it might be unpleasant. Another, maybe an even better example of this is if you're in a, um, if you're in a, a cold room, if you've come out from one of those freezers, like at some of these retreat centers, they have these big freezers and you walk into these freezers. If you come out from one of those freezers, and you walk into 80 degree weather, that might be um, um, that might be pleasant. If you're um, let's see, this this isn't quite working the way I thought it would. Let's see. How about this? <laughs> if you're used to if you're used to kind of cooler weather in your environment then that 80 degrees might be felt as really hot and be unpleasant. But if you're used to, if you live in the tropics and you're used to hot weather all the time, that 80 degrees might be experienced as kind of cool and somewhat pleasant. So the, the, uh, the difference between the pleasantness and unpleasantness depends on our conditioning. It may depend on the conditions of the moment, it may depend on the conditions of history. And so that the feeling itself is actually shifting and changing. There was a study that was done um, that um, looked at kind of a slightly unpleasant experience they, they said it's like it was, a, it was an electric shock that they equated to about the level of touching a slightly too hot cup of coffee. So that level of pain was um, uh, was was being administered. And then, you know, when when people were given that, you know, they were they were told, OK, you're going to you're either not going to have a shock or you are going to have a shock. You know, then then when they registered that that moderate kind of shock they acknowledged it as unpleasant and their brains actually the brain um, waves re uh, were recorded were also pointing uh, um, evocative of somebody experiencing an unpleasant sensation so uh, the reporting the self-reporting was that that was an unpleasant sensation and what was in the brain also showed at it as an unpleasant sensation. A little bit later, they did another aspect of experience of the study with the same people, and they had that, that moderate shock with a slightly more painful shock uh, that was that were being alternated. And they were told, people were told, um, okay, you're either gonna get this moderate shock or you're gonna get this slightly more painful shock. So they were kind of looking at a screen and they were told which kind of shock was going to happen. And the when the um, the the more painful shock happened, it was registered as unpleasant. Of course, um, both were self-reported and um, in the brain. 
when the less painful shock happened and they were told that this is going to be the moderate shock, they reported it as pleasant and their brains also recorded it as pleasant. So that's a case where the same kind of objective measure of electrical shock in one situation was pleasant and in one situation was unpleasant, depending on the context, depending on the conditions around it. So this is how all of our feeling is. All feeling is kind of constructed in the moment. That is not what we think, you know, that, that, that we tend to impute some kind of reliability or some kind of stability to to um, to that feeling. And because of that, as I said earlier, you know, we tend to grasp on it, we tend to hold on to it. So the um, the teachings point to and this this simile points to um, understanding the insubstantial nature of feeling tone and the simile is feeling is like an airy bubble. And the, the airy bubble that's talked about is, um, um, well, I'll read the section. Suppose that in the autumn when it's raining and big drops, big raindrops are falling, a water bubble arises and bursts on the surface of water. So this this is like, this is an analogy of looking at a standing pool of water and seeing water drops fall into it. When a water drop lands in the pool, a bubble can arise there. Something about the way the, the heavy drop lands in the water creates a little air pocket and the bubble comes up. So it will it will sit there for a little while. And I actually watched this at one on one retreat that probably this teaching had come up and I was outside, you know, seeing bubbles uh, arise on the surface of a, of a puddle as water drops fell into it. And they would arise, they'd kind of float there for a little bit, they'd linger, and then they'd vanish. So there's a sudden arising of that bubble and a sudden disappearance of the bubble. So this is some of the nature of, uh, I like to unpack the analogies a little bit and to kind of think through them because the Buddha was such a master at analogies. There's a, there's a way in which his analogies really resonate or speak to something, a teaching that's being pointed to. So the, the bubble arises, it lingers for a little while, and then it vanishes. The commentaries point to the insubstantial nature of the bubble or the, the, um, um, the way in which if you tried to reach out and pick up the bubble, you couldn't do that. You know, that, you know, you can't grasp a, one of those bubbles. It will just vanish as soon as you touch it. And so that's pointed to as, as an aspect of the, of the simile, that it's not something you can pick up and carry around with you. It, 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 it just, it's fleeting, it, it, it falls away. And so the, um, I think part of the, for me, the part of this analogy is thinking, is thinking about how that arising of that bubble is, conditioned. So I just talked about the the way that feeling tone is conditioned, you know, based on 
um, various things that how a feeling tone will come in differently based on what's going on. And so the conditioned nature of feeling tone is a part of what I think is pointed to in this simile. A bubble itself doesn't look that stable, but um, it, it, has a, it, it has a lingering to it. You know, the, there is a way that it looks like it's lingering and, and a child, you know, a child would probably reach out and try, try to, to touch it and just watch it vanish. But the, the, the conditions are what makes it happen. The dropping of the bubble, the little air pocket that comes up, the rising of that bubble, and then it will last as long as it lasts, depending on maybe how dry the air is or whether another bubble plops into it. So there, there's the, the, a lot of conditions that um, affect the, how long that bubble lingers. So to me, the, the teaching here is not only about the insubstantiality of the bubble, and, and that's also a piece to begin to look at when we start looking at feeling tone when we start observing feeling tone, we see it is changing so rapidly. And so that's, that's a piece of, um, you know, how, how in, un, insubstantial it is, how quickly it changes, how when we try to reach out and hold on to it, it like slips through our fingers. We, we experience the, um, uh, the frustration at times when we try to hold on to something pleasant. Why, why can't I hold on to it? Or, um, you know, the way it changes out from underneath us. Some, some things will change more slowly. Um, some kinds of feelings will change more slowly. Like, you know, we might, and I'd say that the, the feelings that change more slowly change more slowly because we have an idea in our minds. And it's really the idea that has the feeling tone and we're holding on to the idea. So an example of this, um, um, like if you get, if you buy something uh, new, I just got these little drains in my sink. They're nice and shiny. You know, I got these new drains and they're nice and shiny and they lift out and I can, you know, empty them out really easily and nicely. And, you know, they're, they're, they're brand new. I just got them two days ago. And so there's a kind of a pleasure. There's a kind of a pleasantness in working with these drains. They're, they're keeping the stuff from going down my drain. There's pleasantness in that. They're easy to lift out and clean out. There's pleasantness in that. At some point, probably it's going to break. You know, some point it's going to um, uh, wear down. It's not going to be as shiny. It's going to get harder to lift out. All those things. But the, the, the mind... Um, you know, the, 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 mind, the, the mind might not see the kind of gradual change in the, um, in the drain or, you know, another piece of it might be that, you know, I just begin to take it for granted. You know, that's another way in which the feeling tone might change. It's pleasant now in contrast to what, what I had beforehand. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm appreciating the drain. But this, again, this is all related to the idea of the of the drain it's not so much the thing itself it's related to my relationship to the ideas about it and that that will also change you know i'll get used to it i'll stop noticing it as much and it will be kind of neutral and then it might change into being rusty or broken and then maybe there's unpleasantness that come with it so but but a lot of this is related again to the idea about it rather than the actuality of the physical thing.
So the, the conditionality of feeling tone is um, something that we can begin, we may begin to recognize as we start to look at feeling tone as, an, as a part of the experience. So we begin to recognize feeling tone as a piece of experience. And it's actually not that hard to see. It's subtle because we tend to go to the reactivity so quickly. So we, we might be able to be curious when there is reactivity. When there's reactivity, there's some feeling tone in there somewhere that is a piece of the reactivity. And so like that sometimes when, when there's reactivity happening, an interesting question to ask is, what is this actually reacting to? Is there, what is the pleasant or unpleasant here that this is connected with? And then we can begin to see how we are um, responding to that feeling tone. But then as we begin to see the feeling tones themselves, first it takes getting familiar with being able to see the feeling tones to be able to understand the insubstantial nature of them because often the feeling tone is masked by the reactivity so there's a little bit of exploration to begin to actually recognize oh the feeling tone that pleasant sensation that's what i'm going for you know that unpleasant sensation that's what i'm trying to get rid of you know, there's a whole construct of ideas and views and beliefs on top of it that is kind of motivating action. But underneath is just this unpleasant sensation or just this pleasant sensation that's kind of the springboard. And so as we start to see that pleasant, unpleasant, we, we, begin to, we can begin to see the ephemeral nature of that pleasant, unpleasant. And as we start to see the ephemeral nature of that pleasant, unpleasant, we start to see how the reactions that are springing off of it are making more out of that pleasant, unpleasant. So um, there's a lot of different ways that feeling is conditioned. I just want to mention a couple of them. It's, it's kind of um, getting late here, but I'll just mention a couple. I've kind of explored them a little bit. Um, the feeling tone is sometimes dependent or conditioned on how we perceive something. So what we take or what we recognize. So an the classic example of this in the, in the suttas is that if we walk into a room or into a, a place, into a, like a barn or something, and it's a little bit dim in the barn and there's a coiled form in the corner we might perceive it as a snake and that perception for most of us would be unpleasant the coiled form is sight that's that's physicality that's striking the eye and that that's that actually is kind of neutral but it's the perception of it as snake that will probably have an unpleasant quality to it for most of us. If the light comes up, if, if somebody opens the side of the barn and the sun floods in and we see it's actually a rope, the, the perception changes from snake to rope and probably that's going to be more neutral 
or pleasant if in contrast to thinking it was a snake. It's like, oh, phew, it's not a snake. Relief. There's some pleasant experience there because that fear that's connected also probably with that unpleasantness is gone. So the, the perception will um, affect the feeling tone. How we perceive something will affect the feeling tone. And perception is pretty good. You know, it functions pretty well for us. It does a pretty good job, but it, it is not reliable. You know, it is also not reliable. We'll talk about perception probably next time uh, in, in terms of its unreliability. It's a process in our minds. It's not perfect. So the, the, and then the fact that feeling tone is dependent on our perception often. So that, that's, that's the, um, the feeling tone is arising in dependence on something else that's unreliable. So how much more unreliable is the feeling tone? It's all kind of wobbly in a way. So, and, and another, another, um, way or condition that shifts or affects our, our feeling tone are our views, our beliefs. So what we, what we, okay, this is kind of related to perception in a way, but, um, um, there's also like, so with the snake, actually, the snake story includes the, the views too. Um, so, you know, if, if the view of the snake is that it's a rattlesnake, there's probably going to be more, um, more, um, views associated with that, you know, more sense of danger and concern for ourselves. So, you know, the, 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 the understanding of it as rattlesnake may create more of a sense of fear that would come out of it. So maybe another example would, would, would reveal how views shape feeling tone. Um, at one point I was, I've told this story a lot. I was meditating late at night and um in my in my own home and i started hearing this really light tapping sound uh kind of in the wall a kind of a scratching or a tapping sound in the wall and my experience of it was unpleasant that was the that was kind of what i noticed and i thought it was, it was an unpleasant sound i kept just noticing it and at some point it would come and go you know it would go away and it would come back and i would feel I would notice the the unpleasantness and I would notice the kind of attention, a contraction that arose in the body as I heard the sound. That that contraction in the body was unpleasant. And then one time I noticed that there was fear that arose when the sound arose. So the fear also unpleasant. And at some point I saw that there was a belief associated with the uh the um the whole complex of what was happening. Like my, my mind created an image that there was a rat in the wall, you know, so there was a belief that there was some creature in there that was maybe gonna be eating, you know, the wires or whatever, you know, and so there was a belief in there. And that kind of um, was shaping the whole idea of um, pleasant, unpleasant, the unpleasantness, the fear, the, that whole, that whole thing. So the belief of what it was, again, this is related to perception, 
in a way, because it, it's kind of like the mind, the mind knew it didn't know what it was. That's where it's a little different. You know, in, in the case of the snake and the rope, in the perception thing, the mind can be completely fooled. It's just like, no, that's a snake, you know, and until it gets more light on the situation. It's, and, and then it, it, it's pretty easy to correct, you know, it's like, oh, no, that's actually a rope. With beliefs, you know, I kind of knew it wasn't that I didn't know what it was. But and so I could see that the entire complex of the feeling tone and the reaction was based on the idea that maybe it was a rat in the wall. At some point, um, you know, the mind just seeing all of that came back to the actual sound and, and could notice the difference between the sound itself, which was just this light, gentle scratching sound, it, it actually was not an unpleasant sound. The whole complex of what was born based on the idea was unpleasant. But the initial feeling, the initial experience was that the sound was unpleasant. And then this exploration or kind of curiosity about what was going on around it showed that the sound itself wasn't unpleasant. What was unpleasant was the idea that was connected with it. So the, the, this whole exploration around feeling tone, you know, to, to begin to be curious of the nature of feeling tone, how it changes, how it's conditioned in particular. And that's where the analogy comes in, I really think, you know, this, this, that the bubble is not going to show up on the surface of the water without the water drop plopping into it. So there's this contact it's the contact of something. It's kind of like the contact of the sound on the ear is like that water drop plopping into the water. And then there's this feeling tone that comes based on other conditions, based on views, based on perceptions. So seeing that, how that feeling tone is conditioned and how it is ephemeral supports or helps to um, undermine the misunderstanding that feeling tone is something that is worth clinging to. And that again is back to where the Buddha pointed to, this is where the suffering happens. This is where the suffering leaps is when we think a feeling tone is reliable that we can hold on to it the nature of that feeling tone to change to pass away to kind of vanish upon being grasped we tend to suffer with that somebody uh, i i heard this story from so many different teachers it's kind of one of those stories that um so come come from some student, I think, from some retreat where some student described the feeling of clinging to something that's changing as being like rope burn. You know, you're trying to hold on to, if you're trying to hold on to a rope that's moving quickly, if you're holding on to it, you know, it's going to burn your hand as it slips through your hand. And that's kind of what happens with trying to hold on to something that is unreliable there's the 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 frustration of it not being reliable of it slipping through our grasp and that's like the rope burn 
we experience the suffering of trying to hold on to something that is that we have misunderstood as being reliable. And so the teaching around feeling tone in particular really is to begin to understand its changing nature, its insubstantial nature. And as the mind understands that, it begins to let go or to reorient or to kind of let go of that misunderstanding that it's worth clinging to. And then we, we have other responses that can arise with it rather than it being out of greed, aversion, or delusion. Equanimity or compassion may arise in connection with feeling tone. which is not heading us in the direction of constriction and suffering. Mm. 